How are you doing today? Well, uh, we're going to be 100% honest here. This is really weird. Right now, it feels like I'm uh, talking to an empty auditorium. Usually, you know, obviously we've been live streaming for a while, but I like to sort of talk to the people that are here. And no offense to you if you've always joined us online, but I like to kind of forget that it's being filmed and that it's streaming live. But it's a little bit impossible to do that today because all these musos have just gone to sit in the back row so that I look at the camera. Uh, originally, Tom said I had to sit, which, which honestly filled me with fear and trembling because I don't, I don't really sit very still very well, even like at my own desk, I fiddle and stuff. So he let me stand, but I'm not allowed to walk. So if I hold on to the pulpit, it's to remind myself that I'm not allowed to walk. So there you go. There's a the few little... What a week it's been uh, here in New Zealand. Uh, depending on where you live in the world, but most of New Zealand and certainly Blenheim, we were sitting in our houses on Monday afternoon, 4 p.m., waiting with bated breath for the, prin- for the, not principal, the prime minister to tell us what we were allowed to do that week, effectively. Would we, would we change levels? What would happen? And, uh, and she says, the rest of New Zealand, south of Auckland, is going to go level two. And we're all like, parents are like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, school's back. School's hopefully like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, we can go back to normal uh, pastors are already planning their services and then they said hang on a minute maximum 50 people it's like the highs of lows of life sitting in your living room you know and uh, here I am thinking of super kids and then they say maximum 50 and so anyone planning a big event is like just waiting for the unknown the reality is we don't know we map out our best our best guess but we don't know we don't know how long we're going to be at 50 we don't know how long we're going to be streaming in a near empty auditorium but the good thing is that God knows and he is still on the throne and I'm grateful for that I don't know about you but I was caught a little bit off guard by this lockdown we sort of uh we'd heard the first Delta possible Delta case we were sitting in the staff room you know that Tuesday afternoon sort of joking oh well if we're at work tomorrow <laughs> and then the, she makes the announcement I'm like text I'm like I was joking I totally thought we were gonna be at work tomorrow but we're sort of caught off guard I don't know whether that was naivety on my front, but uh, when I was younger, you know, New Zealand is quite removed from the rest of the world. When I was younger, I thought that was a bad thing. I went on an OE exactly, exactly a month ago, 20 years a month ago, I got home from my OE in New York. So I was living in New York 20 years ago, and I got home a month before 9-11. The last tourist thing I did in New York was go up the Twin Towers. And so I got woken in the middle of the night by my mother saying, Blair's rung. It was my brother who was living in England. And there's been this terrible thing that happened. I got up and I watched the TV. And all I could think of was all my friends that were still in New York and, and not knowing. And uh, anyway, uh, being far removed when I first came back from my OE was a negative. You know, my friends got to sort of travel around and see each other. And we were so far away. But actually, when it comes to COVID, us being removed is our greatest asset as a nation, isn't it? Today I really felt like we were supposed to talk about our settings. Now, it would be nice if we had little setting gauges on the side of us that told us when we were full and empty of, uh, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit or uh, good things. Uh, but we don't, the reality is we don't have a gauge on the side of us, but we do have settings. And our settings need to be right in our lives if we want to end up at the right destination. We need to be intentional about our settings. A few weeks ago, 
Tom and Sue's talked about um, our minds. So I'm not going to talk about that. They did a fantastic job. And I think I found the online messages so fantastic. I, I often have to uh, re-listen to them because uh, I have four children. And we attend church together in our living room. And I encourage you to do that. It, it, it values church. Now, I had a few conversations this week, so it's not, to, it's not based on these conversations. But I encourage you to value church and to attend it in your living room with your children. I'm not saying it's easy. I have four children, like I said, and a husband. And we have two two-seater couches. It's not a pleasant experience. Someone's annoyed at someone. Someone's sitting on someone. Someone's, you know. But actually, attending church together values it. But I'll equally listening to it later to really get the full effect is also a very good thing to do. But one thing I, one quote I found about your mind that I just wanted to share quickly because it also relates to what I want to talk about is thoughts are like a train. They take us somewhere. But much like getting on a train, if you've ever been to um, uh, London or New York or anything like that, there are millions of lines and trains. So much like a train, we choose which one we get on board. It's your choice. You don't need to jump on the first train of thought that comes into your mind about others, about yourself, about your future. You get to choose because you get to choose where you go. You choose which train you get on. Today I wanted to talk about our eyes, our ears, and our tongues. Or more like our mouths, what we speak. Unless we're intentional about the things that we hear, the things that we see, the things that we say, much like a runaway train with our thoughts, we can all end up in an altogether different place. These three areas are all connected. John 8 verse 31 says, <clears throat> Then Jesus said to all... To, Hold one moment. John 8 verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You, need, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. With things changing in our society, the truth of God is quickly becoming a controversial belief system. We need to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. But you know what? We're not set free by the truth we don't know. We're not set free by the truth we don't know. Transformation happens in our lives from the inside out. The, for the word of God to change us, we need to know it. We need to know the word of God. The word of God needs to be in our lives. And we need. To, and there are many people that know the word of God and don't let it change them. So we need to allow God to change us from the inside out. And when our settings of what we hear and what we know and what we believe, when we allow God to work in those, then our external things changes. The way we see things change, the way we hear things change, the way we speak changes when we allow God to transform us. God doesn't just want us to visit him on a Sunday. And let's be fair, you can't even do that right now. Not here anyway. <laughs> Hope you're doing it at home. He wants to move into our lives. I think that the reality of lockdown does uh, cause us to, our settings become all evident. If we've only been meeting God on a Sunday at church, then we suddenly, are, we're not. And suddenly we're like, I haven't worshipped God in a while because you haven't come into his house. But the reality is God doesn't just want you to come on a Sunday and worship him. He wants to live in your lives. He wants to you to, to worship him every day of your life. He wants to know you. He wants to be in your life. 
can feel odd. I'm going to acknowledge it. It can feel odd to stand in your living room singing, lifting your hands. It can feel odd, but I encourage you to do it. Not only because you're worshipping the Lord, but you're also showing your, your children how to worship the Lord in any circumstances, in any situation, in anything that happens, in anything that comes your way, you will stand and you will lift his name. If you haven't been doing that, don't feel condemned. Just feel challenged to do it in the future, to move forward with that ideal because we need to worship the Lord. And you don't need us, well, not me, because you really don't want to be led in worship by me, trust me. I actually had to ensure that I stood in the right place of the auditorium and not be picked up by the mics. I was like, are you 100% sure that if I sing, you won't hear me? I was assured, so hopefully you did not. Don't wait till they are on the computer screen to worship the Lord. Worship him in your life. Worship him all the time. So the first of our senses that I want to talk about today is the eyes. Our eyes are our most dominant sense. They say that 80% of our sensory information comes through our eyes. Now, I wear contacts, so I, I know very well what it is to not be able to see. And I know this is going to sound strange, but if you are hard of seeing, you may relate. But I, <laughs> when I'm not wearing my glasses or my contacts and someone wants to talk to me, even my children in the morning, I'm like, hang on a minute, pass me my glasses. <laughs> and it seems strange. But I feel like I can't hear as well. Even though I can hear, my, there's nothing wrong with my hearing that I know of. I can hear, but if I can't see well, I feel like I can't hear as well because you actually receive so much of your information, even your heard information, through your eyes by body language and facial expression. And just, I don't know, when I don't have my glass on my contents, I feel like I can't hear as well. And I always thought it was a little bit crazy. But knowing that 80% of your sensory information does come through your eyes, it makes a little bit of sense. I found that yesterday too when we're out talking to people with a mask on. <laughs> Our hearing's not any different. And the, yes, the mask muffles a little bit, but I still felt like I was inhibited by not being able to see their mouths, which is, I don't know. Anyway, Matthew 6, verse 22 says, Your eye is a lamp. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is the darkness? If you were to uh, survey a large group of people and you were to say to them, and, you know, this does is a conversation you have here and there, it's like if you, could, if you had to lose one thing, like uh, one sense, like your eyesight, your hearing, a limb, what would it be? Nearly no one picks their sight. And the fact is that we value our sight. There are many things that we can't do without clear vision, physically and spiritually. But despite the high value that we put on it, we often lose sight of how God tells us to use our eyes and our sight. The very first sin, Genesis 3 verse 6, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, it was good. The food was pleasing to her eye. David, one of David's biggest sins that had the biggest ramifications and consequences to his life. In 2 Samuel 11, one evening David got up from his bed, walked over to the roof in the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. That woman was very beautiful. Some of the greatest sins in the Bible happened because people weren't careful with their sight, with their eyes, with what they allowed themselves to see. 
We direct our eyes off the things that we're supposed to be seeing and onto the wrong track. 1 John verse 3 talks about the lust of the eyes. In Job 31 verse 1, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Sin looks appealing. It looks enticing. It looks exciting. Imagine if David, like Job, had made a covenant to not look lustfully with his eyes. How different the ramifications would be. The reality is the devil wants our eyes. He wants our sight. He wants to captivate us with the things that he wants to captivate us with. Because if he captivates us with the world, then we're not captivated in our sight with God. He wants our vision because what you behold, you become. Where you look, you will go. We need to keep our head high looking to Jesus. What are we fixated on? We need to make the decision to fix our eyes on Jesus. Philippians 4 says, fix your, fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable, what is right, pure, and lovely. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Control our eyes. What are our eyes focused on? Hebrews 12, so many of us know this verse, but in the middle it says, it says no, I'm going to read the whole thing. Therefore, we are also, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside the weight, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who with the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne. Looking to Jesus. Let's lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us with, many times with our eyes. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Proverbs 4 verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before him. There is so many verses in the Bible. I sent my notes to Rachel who's online hosting. Thank you for doing that today. And uh, I'm a little bit dyslexic. So she's corrected me on some of my numbers. Uh, that's uh, supposed to be two Samuel, not one Samuel. I hope it's okay to point this out. I was like, absolutely. Because I don't want to tell you all the wrong Bible verses. So anyway, I get my numbers a bit mixed up. So if there are still any wrong, I don't think there are because Rachel fixed them. But uh, I sent them to Rachel and she's like, oh, you're keeping me busy because there is a, so much the Bible says about our eyes and our ears. And there's so much the Bible says, but the Bible says to fix our eyes on him, to look straight ahead to his gaze. Do you know what? If we don't look straight ahead, the only thing you can, only thing of value that is behind you is a lesson. We need to look straight ahead. What are you looking at? I'll tell you what we're looking at most of the time. Our phones. <laughs> Sue just put her phone down. <laughs> you're just uh, like commenting, aren't you, Sue? That's what you're doing. You're on the live stream commenting. You're not looking at Facebook. Anyway, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at our phones. This is a constant battle, even for me as an adult. I've actually put a quote, which I'm going to share with you later. I've actually put it on my home screen. So every time I pick up, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's a distraction. I looked up some stats about phones. The average adult spends 18 hours a week scrolling on their phone. That is two and a half hours a day. The average teenager, this is alarming, outside of their schoolwork spends five to six hours a day on a screen. Girls are more likely to be on their phones. Boys are more likely to be gaming. Gaming. Five to six hours a day. The average person unlocks their phone 110 times a day. I encourage you to check your settings. 
spiritually, but also practically. My phone has a thing called uh, well, digital well-being, and it can tell me how many hours I've used my phone, what apps I've used my phone on. It tells me uh, how many notifications I've, got, I've gotten in a day or in the last week. It can tell me how many times I've unlocked my phone. I encourage you to check that, not now, listen to me now, but check it afterwards. <laughs> check it. Your phone probably has it and reduce it, change it, fix it. So often we are, I worked on an average because uh, it tells me how many notifications I get in a day. So it's all your notifications, email, Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, whatever other things you've got. On average in the last seven days, I've had 181 notifications per day. It's very distracting. Put it down. Check it, reduce it. We say that we don't have time to so many things. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to worship. I don't have time to read a book or read a bi the Bible. I don't have time to cook healthy meals. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time. But don't you? Your phone stats will tell otherwise. Check it regularly and adjust it accordingly. I was alarmed the first time I found my stats. So I checked it, adjusted accordingly, and I continue to check it and adjust accordingly. Social media has us focused on all the wrong things. We have FOMO, fear of missing out. Instead of living our own lives, we're busy watching someone else's. People are fix people we are, and I include myself, we're fixated on the things often that take us away from the purposes of God. Now, there are good things about phones. Absolutely, we can connect with people. There are great things about social media. Uh, the, it's who you choose to follow on social media. So I follow a lot of preachers and a lot of, so I actually get a lot of spiritual input from my social media. But if you don't get spiritual input from your social media, if you're following things that take you away from the purpose of God, check your likes, check the pages that you're following and change them. You can make it work for you. We need to reset our eyes. What are we focusing on? Are we, fo are we focusing on others, on, on comparisons, on competing with others, looking into another one's life instead of living our own? Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Is our determination, is our setting checked on, I will set the Lord always before me. Anything we place before God will disappoint us. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. One of my favorite quotes lately that I do have on my screen of my phone, unless my children change it to animals, which really annoys me. They do it a lot. Pick up my phone, there's animals on. I'm like, I don't want animals on my phone. When the enemy can't destroy you, his job is to distract you. There's no, the enemy knows there's no way he can steal my faith, but boy, can he distract me from pursuing it and going deeper with God. And he does it with our eyes. When we look forward at God, we're not being distracted by the things that are going on around us and other people. People will distract us. People will hurt us. Life does not always go as we planned it to be. Life will discourage you. Bad things will happen to good people. But we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the reason. Proverbs 4 verse 25, let your eyes look forward. When we look back at the things that have happened in our past, the things that have gone wrong, we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus and we're not looking forward. In David's words, which I'm, a, from all my 
research can work out that he said these words after the Bathsheba thing. So hopefully he learned from that. Psalm 101 verse 3, I, I said nothing, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Now I'm not saying that she was wicked before you all come out and go it wasn't her fault and all that. Uh, but because of his intentions and because of his heart and because of what he did with what he saw, wickedness came into his life. Sin came into his life. What are we setting our eyes before? When was the last time you really thought about what you were watching? Many people will recommend TV series and they'll say, oh, you've got exclusive language. Oh, there's a bit of blasphemy or there's, it's really, it's quite dark, but it's so good you've got to watch it or it's heaps of sex. But oh, if you don't mind that, then you can just, it's not about what's good, good for someone else. It's not going, oh, well, they watch it so I can watch it. It's what's good for you. It's not the same for everyone. When was the last time we really thought about what was happening with our eyes? The devil is after our eyes. He's after our sight. Without vision, we will perish. He's after our kids' eyes. He's after our teens' eyes. He's bombarding them with image after image, desensitizing them particularly to sin, to the things that are wrong. We need to lead by example and we need to take responsibility for what our kids are seeing. What is on their phones? While I pay the bill, I'm responsible for what's on that phone. What's on their phones? Teach them. You know, rather than, rather than telling your children you can watch this and you can't watch that, explain why. You know, I've, I'm not going to go into the stories because I'm going to run out of time, but I've got a couple of stories if you want to ask me later about explaining to my kids. You know, my kids are big readers and I'm saying... I came, when they were very young, it became very clear to me that I could not keep on top of what they were reading. So I explained to them what they were allowed to read about. Don't read about witches. Don't read about sex. Don't read about this. And obviously those, those things can change a little bit as they get older. But you, you've got to then trust them. I remember very young, one of my kids came out of their bedroom saying, I think I should stop reading this book because the dad just came home drunk. I was like, very good. Let's do that. Stop reading that book. Teach them rather than... Um, Exerting our power over what can, they can see, teach them to have their own sense of judgment. Our ears, what we listen to matters. Our ears have two functions, hearing and balance. Once I had an inner ear infection, it was the freakiest thing I've ever had. In, well, I don't know if I've ever had in my life, but it was one of the freakiest things. I literally woke up in the morning, I felt totally fine, and I got up and I fell right, like I walked and I fell straight. Oh, I'm not allowed to walk. <laughs> I, I fell straight over. Um, and I had to go to the bathroom, so I was like holding on to the wall to get to the bathroom. And then uh, my kids were little, I, but the baby's crying, so I literally had to crawl to the bedroom and try and get the baby. And it was just, it was the most unusual thing I've ever experienced, probably because I didn't actually know what was happening. What's happening to our ears can affect our balance physically, but what we hear can affect our balance spiritually. I don't imagine that that was a mistake. I don't imagine that was a coincidence of God because the reality is every single time I feel overwhelmed, every single time I cry because it's all too hard, which does happen, every single time I haven't been hearing from God, every single time I lose my balance in my life spiritually, even practically in my, the practical things I've got to do, every time I've lost my balance is because I haven't been coming to Jesus. I haven't been hearing what he has to say on the matter. When I come to Jesus, I find my balance. I find my peace. I hear his voice. He gives me balance. Romans 10 verse 17. 
So faith comes from hearing, and that's hearing the good news about Christ. If faith comes from hearing, if you're not hearing, how will you have faith? It doesn't come from hearing the latest news reports of negativity and fear. It doesn't come from the latest gossip on the street. It doesn't come from what's hot and not on Instagram, unless you follow some really good things on Instagram. <laughs> it doesn't come from, faith does not come from listening to the latest conspiracy theorists. Faith comes from hearing, from hearing the word of God. If you want to increase your faith, you increase your listening to him and his word. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 to 4 says, The time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itchy ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase myths. Wow, that's happening now, right? If you ever have heard of it, right now, well, in the last 20 years, we've had access to everything we want to, but what people tend to do is go, I believe this. There are, there are literally a flat earthers association who believe that the earth is flat. I believe that the earth is flat, so I'm going to follow every flat earth page there is, and they're going to prove that I'm right because we choose what we listen to. We've never been able to do that before, like in such a, in a, a huge way. We pick and choose, and we go, I knew it. You've got to be careful what you listen to. Don't pick and choose just on those that agree with you. Actually pick something that will challenge your beliefs. Make sure when it comes to preaching, you're choosing to follow Bible-based, solid teaching, people that are affirmed and confirmed by the body of Christ. Matthew 11 verse 15 says, Anyone with ears should hear. Anyone with ears to hear. Anyone with ears to hear. Should listen and understand. Proverbs 18, verse 15, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are always open for knowledge. If you want to increase your faith, increase your listening to the Word of God. God's Word will always propel us forward into our future, forward into His presence, forward into the knowledge of Him, into His purposes for your life. What are you listening to you? Can you still hear when God whispers to you? Faith comes from hearing the word. When are we listening? I would say if the room was full of people, who hears teenagers have earpods? Earpods are like the bane of my life because you talk to your children and you're like, now this is what I want you to do. Everyone needs to fold their washing, do this, do this. We're going out this time. They're like, right, we're going. Why haven't you folded your washing? I didn't know I was supposed to fold my washing. I told you you were in the room. They had these little things in their ears blasting at them and they couldn't hear me and it's so frustrating and I wonder if God feels like that about us too I told you but you weren't listening because your ears were so filled with other noise I even have kids you know not even earbuds just the headphone situation and you know they're in the other room we're like can someone come and set the table someone then I have to use someone's name because nobody is someone in my house Xavier come and set the table Xavier I know you're there and they have to go and Xavier, come and set the table. Headphones. We're filling our heads with noise so we can't hear him speaking to us. I'm going to skip that bit. The reality is we have 168 hours in the week. And many of us believe that listening to one 30-minute sermon on a Sunday is enough for us to grow spiritually. That it's enough to silence the enemy's voice in our lives. 
The enemy is loud. He's a liar, but he's loud. We have 168 hours, one 30-minute sermon, even if Pastor Tom or me goes a bit longer than 30 minutes, is not enough to silence the enemy's voice in your life. He's loud and he wants you. We need to be mindful of what we see and what we hear. Fill your life with online sermons. Like never before, we can hear God's word all the time. All through lockdown, I listened to a, a leadership podcast a day. This message is actually based loosely around one of those. It, it was so impacting. I started writing a family devotion on it, and then I just realized it was what God wanted me to preach about. Uh, the enemy is loud, but he's a liar. And we need to fill our lives with uh, sermons, worship, f- fill our lives with the things of God, fill our ears. Faith rises. Fear rises when we don't have faith. Fear and faith cannot coexist. We need to hear, we need to listen, and we need to obey. You know, a lot of people hear things when you're speaking to them, but they don't hear to listen, they hear to respond. And I actually personally also do that a little bit. And I'm aware of it, but we need to hear not to respond, but to listen. We need to hear to listen. And then in James 1 verse 22, it says, don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word of God and don't obey, it's like glancing into your face in the mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless brings me nicely to our tongues. The tongue is small but can cause an awful lot of trouble. Proverbs 18 verse 20 and 21 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences. The power of life and death are in the tongue. James 3 has an awful lot to say about our tongues. None of it is particularly good. It's all very um, challenging. Verse 4 to, four to 6 says, And a small rudder, like a small rudder, makes a huge ship, ship turn wherever the pilot chooses for it to go, even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that can make grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest fire, and among the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire, the whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, the words that we speak. The words that we speak frame our world, but scaringly, they also frame other people's world. If your parents, they frame the words you speak to your children frame their world. The words we speak to others around us frame the world that we live in. Psalm 141 verse 3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need to reset our our mouths, reset our tongues, the things that we say. And in these days, the things that we say are also the things that you type on social media. Like I feel like we talk about the tongue and the words that we speak, but with these keyboard warriors, they are also the words that you speak. The words that you type on social media, you put out into the world are the words that you're speaking. And the Bible tells us very clearly, somewhere here I have it, 
further down. I'm going to skip to it right now because it's relevant. Matthew 12, verse 36, I tell you this, you must give account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. I believe that also means every idle word that you type. I jokingly said, gosh, that's going to take God a lot longer for me than it will for Cam. (laughs) I've been judged for every word I speak. He's been judged for every word I speak. God's going to have a lot of time for me and not as much for Cam. (laughs) And equally, a lot of time for Tom and not as much time for Suze, right? (laughs) We need to reset our tongues, reset our mouths, reset the words that we see, set a guard over it. Are they words of life? Are they words of hope? Are they words that bring peace? You know, the world is desensitizing us. This thing's happening back there. I have to ignore them. The the world is desensitizing us to sin. And um, I think my kids might think I'm a little bit over the top. I've actually even done a Facebook post about this actual thing is that one day my kids came to me, one of my kids came to me and said, I want to make this, this brownie. And I said, oh yeah, what's it, what is it? And she said, it's called slutty brownie. And we had a moment of, why, 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 why? I don't know. So she makes it and it's got a chocolate chip biscuit base and then you put Oreos in it and then you pour brownie on top and you bake it. And I want to tell you that it's delicious. It's probably thoroughly fattening. Well, it is thoroughly fattening. And it's amazing. It's like you eat it and you're like, oh, it's amazing. But what is the world telling our teenagers when you make an amazing and decadent and beautiful slice and you call it slutty brownie? We're desensitizing the word slutty. We're making it good when it's actually not good. We're desensitizing ourselves to sin. When, when people joke about killing themselves, when they make jokes, you know, it's, it's the in thing to call your friends highly derogative words. I'm not even going to say some of them, but it's, it's, the, it's, it's what they do. And it's, it's a joking and a jovial way. But what it's doing is it's desensitizing us to sin. The enemy is desensitizing our children to sin so that they travel so far down this track that they don't even recognize what is sin and what is not, what is good and what is evil. I think when we're juggling life, we never intend to drop the important things. We never think that we are. We're just, we're just trying to make it through. But I have known many, many, many people that have loved Jesus and have served Jesus. And in the busyness of life, they stop checking these things in their lives. They stop checking the settings. They stop checking the things that they're saying and doing. And eventually they end up in an altogether different destination than they had originally planned for themselves to be. I actually honestly believe that our salvation can hang in the balance of the things that we hear, the things that we see, the things that we say, because we travel too far down a path that we didn't think we were going to, just one decision at a time, and we end up in an altogether different place. Like Tom said the other week, in the aviation world, the rule is called one in 60, meaning... That if I'm heading in a direction, if it is only one degree off, for every 60 miles I fly, I'm one mile off target of where I want to be. So if you fly all the way around the equator, you end up 500 miles off your target. So if I bring that into kilometers, because I was like, that doesn't mean a lot to me. If you bring that into kilometers, 60 is 100, right? 500 miles is 804 kilometers off your destination. So if you are traveling somewhere and you are 804 kilometers away from your destination, 
to put it in simple terms for, well, me, um, from here to Invercargill is 700 k's. So I think the Chatham Islands is like 820 something. So I, I Google it, obviously. <laughs> so if we're going somewhere and we end up in the Chatham Islands instead of Blenheim, we're quite far off our destination. And that is true with life as well. There are little purposeful things we need to do. All we needed to do there is be one degree off where we were supposed to be to end up 800 kilometers away from where we wanted to be. So much of it starts right here with our time, with our phone, with our eyes, with our ears, with our mouths. Matthew 12, verse 36 says, I tell you this, you must give an account. Oh, I've already said that. Give account on judgment day, the word you say. I'll skip forward to that. Proverbs 16, verse 21, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. It doesn't take much for us to give people kind words, but it can be good for the soul. Proverbs 12, verse 18, sharp words cut like a sword, but words of wisdom heal. Where are our words of wisdom? To our friends, to our family, to the body of Christ. Isaiah 50 verse 4, the sovereign Lord has given me the words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. There are so many fantastic verses, scripture, because I think God knew that it was important. God knew that what we saw, what we hear and what we spoke was important. God knew that the truth could set us free but we are not set free by the truth that we don't know. So we need to open our Bibles. We need to open the Word of God. We have eyes, ears, and a mouth to be used, and we can use them for His glory. We can be intentional, and we can be purposeful, and we can use them for His glory. I encourage you to take some time today, tonight, when your kids are in bed, to check your settings, to say before God, God, what is it that you want me to change? You are never too far down one road to turn around and go the other way. You're never too far away from God to be close again because you know what? God wants to be close to you. No matter how I'm feeling in my life, no matter how I'm feeling about what's going on, the moment I sit down and say, God, I'm sorry that I've been rushing around and I haven't been pursuing you today. Do you know what happens? Peace and grace. Yes, there are things that God convicts me about, but overwhelming peace and overwhelming grace in the presence of God. You're not too far down this track to turn around and go the other way. Check your settings. Spiritually, I also encourage you at some point to check your settings on your phone. See all those hours that are gone to never return and choose to do it differently this week coming forward. I just want to pray for you, please. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for every person, for every household, for everyone listening to this live stream or who will listen to it later. I pray, Father, that you would surround them with your peace. God, I pray that you would surround them with your presence, with your anointing. God, I pray that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. You convict us because you love us. You convict us because you want us to pursue your purposes, to pursue your will, and we can't do that if we're distracted. We can't do that if our eyes and our ears and mouths are set on the wrong setting. Lord, I pray that you'd come and you'd surround each person with your presence and with your anointing. 
Lord, that we would check our settings and, Lord, we would use our whole bodies, Lord, for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for your peace, for your grace, for your presence, for your anointing. We invite you into our lives. Lord, I invite you to into every person who, who goes away from this message and sits with you. Lord, we invite you into that, that we would adjust things for your glory. In my name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.